When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Good Music Podcast, a show where we discuss artists, songs, and talk about why we love them. New episodes every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Central. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and become a patron to gain access to exclusive content. And now, on with the show. everyone welcome to another episode of the good music podcast i'm lucas i'm grant and i'm ethan and welcome to the show everybody uh make sure you're subscribed because we have new episodes coming out every monday if you've been around for a little while you have an artist that you'd like to talk about let us know by messaging us on facebook and instagram uh and lastly if you love the show go down in the description click the patreon link become a patron you get episodes early and access to the best segment ever which is the bad music podcast where we talk about the six worst songs from that artist and then we group them all together and then we do a giant tournament of bad songs at the end of the year and it's really funny and if you love good music you probably also love making fun of bad music so do that lucas who are we talking about today all right so we are going to be talking about one of the uh, biggest stars of the modern era. And I, when I say modern, I mean like not like 2000s, like of the of this recent, most like 2010s. Yes. Is it the Beeps? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Guys, we're talking about The Weeknd? No. Oh. I'll, I'll, I'll hey, go ahead and... I'll go ahead and tell you that we're going to be talking about Mr. Bruno Mars. Oh, oh that crossed I my head Bruno for Mars. half a second. Man, I can't believe. I remember having a discussion with um, one of my music friends. It had to have been like six or seven years ago now. And he was saying, oh, Bruno Mars is going to be the next Michael Jackson. And then after that, it's like I didn't hear anything about him. Well, let's go ahead and piggyback off of that into your first impressions, Grant. Okay. Um, your first thoughts. I the um, Does he do the 24-carat deal? Yes. Yes. Um, I know that song. So I know one of the songs, at least. And, it, and it's a big artist, so that's a big deal for me. Um, I actually kind of like it because it reminds me of, like, Morris Day and the Time. And I kind of oh, like, yeah. I kind of like that. Uh, he also wrote "Leave the Door Open." That's another new original one that he wrote. Yeah, um, never heard of it. I put I that's on our, that's on the ranked playlist. Okay, pretty good. I'm, that's like I my mean, two current like favorite artists collab. Yeah, I'm it's. Here. I'm I'm actually I'm actually genuinely curious to hear that album when it comes out. I mean, I guess he's big. I assume he's big, but I don't know how big he is. He's little. 
but he's big. <laughs> I, don't, <No. laughs> I don't know. I don't don't spoil anything yet. What do you mean? Like he's short? <laughs> yeah, he's short. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you meant like of the of the big artists, he's a little. No, rich. he's big. Yeah, yeah that's, he's, what, that's what I thought. Didn't he? He's do like he's about as big as you can. Yeah, he twice. Yeah, so that goes to show you what I know. I didn't even know he did that. Yeah, he's he's about as big as an artist can be right now. Okay, see, I don't, I didn't know that. I thought he had already fallen out of like the, the. He's in between records. Yeah, which I'll I'll talk more about kind of okay what he typically does in between records. I don't know. I have an automatic predisposition against really big artists but every time I delve into at least one album of theirs I end up liking it I was that way with Taylor Swift I didn't really like Taylor Swift at all but I kind of like the 1989 album I think it's pretty good yeah it is pretty good it's well written Um, and so at least like I don't know maybe there's a Bruno Mars equivalent but as far as I am right now, I have to say a five because I just don't know anything. So that's my first thought. Ethan. I would say I'm a nine. Wow. Okay. That's what I think. That's what I thought. I'm, I know that you've spoken some kind words before. I I think that I know every single song that he has ever put out. But that's not a lot of songs. No, it's this is one of the smallest ranked playlists I've ever made. Which was um, refreshing. He has three albums, and I guess there's some singles with some other people that he's done. Yeah, some collab like featured thing. I I know the first album the least because it came out. There's like a couple songs on that that were really big. I didn't unorthodox jukebox and the um twenty four karat Matt the the tour that he did i think it was the moonshine jungle tour that he did for unorthodox jukebox that was one of my first concerts ever wow so that also like solidified him in my brain because I, I got to see him live at the bok um that was probably pretty cool it was so cool and that was before he got the increased swag on 24 karat magic though yeah, like he really turned into who he is now on 24K Magic. Yeah, well, and I'll, like I'll, his... I'll I'll kind of talk about his evolution. Yeah, I don't I don't want to. It's very. I don't want to steal your thunder, but like 24K Magic is like, I think he's gonna be in that mode for a while. Like, yeah. and he found his groove with that that style. But deep cuts. I guess the only reason why it's not a ten is because I don't think it's changed how I like look at the world or anything but yeah. uh but man like I've had some very intense discussions on like ranking 24k magic like like I've gone through that album a lot mm-hmm. well, probably one of my favorite modern albums like I still listen to the whole entire thing and yeah. it came out in 2016 mm-hmm. all right well I I mean you you can't not know who Bruno Mars is. Like I remember I remember when he first came out. Mm-hmm. My in the last like kind of couple years that I was in high school, my mom went through a phase where she only wanted to listen to top 40. 
And so it's like the late uh, 2000s and early 2010s. I feel like I know what a lot of the hit <laughs> songs are of that time just from writing with my mom. And I remember when those those first Bruno songs started to come out and they got so big. And I mean, just they were in commercials, they were on TV and in in TV shows, and it was just like you couldn't escape them. You go into the mall, you hear yeah Bruno playing. Is of course also anytime the radio was on. So it's just yeah, you couldn't get away from him. And so obviously I knew about him, but I really didn't like him. He was kind of like a he was a pariah. And then I just kind of slowly found as he got more mature as an artist, I started to hear stuff go, you know what? That's not bad. Okay. I I don't hate him, but I still wouldn't listen to him. And then Uptown Funk came out. Yeah. And that was kind yeah, of the song. Did that song? Yeah, yeah, so when I heard that song, that was when I was just like, oh, crap, this is amazing. And that's kind of when my my attitude about him really changed. And I was just like, okay, I think there's there must be more to him than, than the hits that I've heard so far. But then I never really investigated more. It was just like I kind of saw that he's just continued to get bigger. And I would say, like, maybe, like, two years ago, I, I listened to a little bit of the 24 Karat Magic just out of curiosity. And I was just like, oh, wow, this is really cool. This has some really cool stuff on it. And so, but I still wouldn't have called myself a fan. So, like, coming into this episode, this was kind of something that I was just like, this is a still a big unknown for me. So I would have said that I would have been like a six because there was like, there was like, I would say there was like two or three songs. I was just like, I really like these songs. And I obviously know who he is. I'm not indifferent to him, but it was, a I would say it was a week six, but it was something I was just like, I have a feeling that if I really look into him, listen to his music, that I'm going to find a lot more stuff that I like. So that's that's kind of where I started out in this episode. Hmm. It's kind of more of a, a bigger gamble on if I'm going to like this than other artists where I kind of already have a disposition towards liking them. Yeah, it was this was kind of a bit of a throw up in the air of just like I think I'll like him, but I don't know for sure. But I was correct. <laughs> so let's talk about Mr. Bruno. Um, I don't really know much about his history. It's actually pretty fascinating, and it's what it's in learning his history is what really made me grow to respect him. Um, obviously Bruno Mars is not his real name. No yeah. one, no one is born with that cool of a name. <laughs> his real name is Peter Jean Hernandez. Oh, that's a cool name, though. Yeah, but that's not a that's not a pop star name. That's true. Um, he was born in Hawaii, which I thought was really cool. You don't really see a lot of superstars that are from Hawaii. Mm. And um, 
he grew up in a very musical family. Like his dad brought a boom box into the delivery room when he was born and was playing <laughs> soul tracks. And he like, they had like a big family band, like his family's profession was like as a tourist attraction. Like they would do like, they would, they had a cover band where they would do like Motown and mm-hmm. fun. And so, you know, from a very early age, Bruno was kind of immersed in not only music, but in performing. He actually gained a ton of popularity as a four-year-old as being the world's youngest Elvis impersonator. And like, I've seen videos of it and it's like, he's legit. He's got the hair. He's got the shaky leg. He's got that, that snarl. And, and even at four years old, his voice was pretty amazing. Wow. Like he knew how to sound like Elvis. Obviously it's a, a double octave higher, but yeah. he still had the same inflections and it's really his, funny. his pitch was pretty as about as good as a four-year-old's can be. And he had the charisma, like he gets on stage and he's like, he's not afraid. Yeah. He knew that he was going to be a star. He just, he has it. And, um, whenever he graduated high school, uh, he moved out to Los Angeles cause that's where you go. And he started off as a songwriter and wrote songs for other people. And this was what kind of really surprised me when I started to learn about the songs that he wrote. He was writing number one hits before he even released his first album. Wow. Like he wrote Flow Riders Right Round. No. Uh-huh. Yes. I that was like his that song. <laughs> that was his first big hit. <laughs> He wrote B.O.B.'s Nothing on You. I freaking love that song. And he that's him singing on the chorus, too. I and never connected the dots on that. Yep. He he wrote so he wrote just a ton of songs like that. And again, two of those, those were the two that went number one. Yeah. On the on the uh on the pop charts. Um So, yeah, like he he established and really learned his craft way before he even released his first record. And specifically when Nothing On You went to number one and because he was singing on it, um, that kind of gave him the cred to be able to pitch the idea of saying, hey, I want to do my own album. Mm -hmm. You know, a song that I wrote and sung on just went to number one. Yeah, I'm the safest was, investment you could possibly make. That was his leverage to say, yeah. you can bank on me to be a big star. Mm-hmm. And so that's when he is 2010, when the first record came out, Doo-Wops and Hooligans, which I will say is definitely his weakest record. But dang, dude. And there's still some great songs on it. But you can tell that he hasn't, found out who he uniquely is yet but i mean holy crap he had two number ones right out of the gate his first two singles grenade and just the way you are went straight to number one yeah they did and then the lazy song went to like number three runaway baby is a freaking yes it is that's a bruno mars song yeah 
That uh, is. That, a, there's gonna be a lot of that in this episode. <laughs> that know. that song is a freaking jam. Talking to the moon. Wait, wait, yep, wait. that's another. That's those another, are the. Wait the, the, the spin me right round song. He wrote. Well, it. I mean, I mean, it's a it's a it. it's a reimagining of an '80s classic. Okay. Okay. It's, but it's I was really about to go good. ballistic there. I'm like, there's no way that he no. The, okay. He 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 sampled it and and borrowed that course, but obviously the verses are completely different and. Um, but yeah, um, I, I do, it's like those two songs you just mentioned, I think are the two best songs on the album. Yeah, they're great. But, and you can tell that he hasn't, you can tell on that record, he hasn't quite figured out his style. It's, I feel like all the songs on the, like, I, I feel like you can tell that he has his songwriting chops down. But he hasn't found his own like artist. Yeah, like you can you can still you can tell that he wrote songs for other people. To I me think... to me specifically, Runaway Baby is the one song on that album where you can really see where he was gonna go. Yeah. Yep. That's a song that wouldn't feel too out of place on twenty four karat. It's yeah. got that it's got that charisma and that just that that sheer confidence. But you can hear like even on like our first time you can yeah. hear like you can hear like if that had the same production team as 24k magic it would have been incredible yeah you can and hear maybe, like the liquor maybe, like liquor store blues and like all the weird reggae-ness it just took a different turn later but yeah it it's executed it's, weird on the first one yeah and it's just you can tell it's very 2010 so like <laughs> you can you can he like I'm because I remember when I first heard those big songs coming out, I was just like, "This is just another Jason Mraz." Yes, where it's it's like you can I tell it's more going for like the 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 cute guy, like yeah. oh, he's so sweet, he's so innocent, he's you know he's got he's got the he's got that hat, he's you yeah know, the just, way that the way that they're produced because I think because even marry you. Like mm-hmm. is really well written, but you can tell the way that it's produced. It's kind mm-hmm. of yeah, and it's just it just doesn't. Especially when you hear his later stuff, it doesn't feel like Bruno. Yeah, he definitely has three distinct phases. Uh huh. And so <laughs> yeah, albums. but I mean, but I mean, yeah, he was huge right out of the gate. I mean, two number ones on your debut album. That's yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen often. And so then, unorthodox jukebox comes out. And you can tell that there's a big step forward, but he has it. But you can still tell he hasn't quite fully figured it out. There's still there's still a lot of doo-wops and hooligans style on it, mm-hmm. but you start to hear stuff like Treasure so cool. and Gorilla and uh, you know Treasure Grant. What Treasure Treasure. Uh- that is what you are. Yes, I do. I think I also know "Marry You." Yeah, when I was I, think your I man. also know any other. Yeah, one of the saddest freaking songs way. ever. Yeah, huh? I broke up. I had a breakup, and I hated this song because this <laughs> song was on the radio, and I was just like, I can't freaking listen to this song. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in the feels. It's it's a much more mature record. I think to me, "Treasure" more than anything was. Again, oh, yeah. signaling where because then it was right he after. Locked out of heaven. 
Yeah. Holy frick. Wait a minute. Oh my gosh. I thought that was from the same guy who did the. Uh, <laughs> Grant's mind is being blown. The, uh, yep. oh, what's it called? The somebody that I used to know. I thought that was the same guy. Oh, Gautier? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that guy was a one hit wonder. I didn't. In no. every sense of the word. I guess now he's They're the poster child for one-hit wonder. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, just that it was. Just, it was another huge record. I mean, locked out. He got two more number ones. Locked out of heaven and when I was your man. And the first one I don't recognize. And then it was after that that he did the first his first Super Bowl. And that was a big turning point for him. Because it was kind of like he was still even though he had four number ones because he was so new, a lot of people were rooting against him because they didn't think that he had the catalog or the star power to hold a Super Bowl performance. And he showed them wrong. Or what you do. Rock and roll. And I remember watching that. And even though I still had a strong bias against him, I remember watching just going, Hmm, not bad. Which was for anything pop for me in like when, whenever that was like 2014, 2013, for me to say have any kind of concession like that when I was very gatekeepy uh, traditionalist, that was high praise for me at that time. And then Uptown Funk happened, and that was to me that was the moment Bruno became Bruno. You yeah. listen. You listen to his swagger and his charisma on that song, and even "Treasure" and "Runaway Baby." It's like he just, yeah, turned it up to eleven. I remember very vividly hearing that song for the first time, and I because it was it was Ethan Irway was watching it on a computer at church rehearsal, watching the music video. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at it, and I was just like, "Oh, this song's really cool. Why is Andrew Garfield playing guitar on this?" and then going oh is that bruno oh my gosh he sounds awesome here and then after that i just kept hearing it on the radio you forgot that he had a twilight feature yeah that's pretty good (laughs) that it's not uh, incredible no uptown funk that was that was his coming out party that was that was when he said, "I'm here, I'm a star now." Yeah, that's, that's whenever he. That was his transcendence. Yeah, yeah, he transcended on that song, and I mean, that was one of the biggest songs of the decade. It's it's sold like, and this is in a time when like selling songs was quite rare. It sold like over 10 million copies. Every Tulsa cover band plays that song. Yeah, and every cover band plays that song. Well, yeah. every, every every cover band that you're going to see at, you know, places like Utica Square and Los Cabos, you know, like your family friendly uh, because, bands yeah. for non-locals. Because people aren't tired of it. Right. It's one of those songs that even like it should have been overplayed because it got played endlessly. And yet, like I every time I heard it, I was just like, yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm hearing this song. <laughs> because it was just dance. like it was so natural sounding. I mean, it was all real instruments and it was just it felt like 
a throwback. It's and yeah, he morphed into some mix of Michael Jackson, Prince, and James Brown. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some Prince in there. Mm-hmm. It's like Motown, but new. Yeah, I I wouldn't even say Motown because Motown never had that funky flavor to it. That was that's that's more of the James Brown because James Brown was never Motown. That was more of a. I guess that would have been Atlantic. I don't fact check me on that because I'm not sure about that. But I know it wasn't Motown. Motown never had that bite to it. Um, that was, you know, that was more on the funk side. I would say James Brown is actually really who he channels the most in his yeah. current persona. Um, and and I would say Prince second. He's got the he's got the magnetism and the and the showmanship of Michael Jackson, but as far as a performance and a composition, James Brown and Prince, I feel, is what he draws the most. Yeah. But, yeah, so then, yeah, right after that was 24 Karat Magic. And that is, you know, if Uptown Funk was the preview to it, then that was like, that was the delivering of the promise. And it delivered. Yeah. That's that's the the Bruno record that I'm just I would listen to and just like man, just about every song on here is really good. I I'm trying to remember the song that I thought that was the worst out of these, but I can't even remember because looking through all these, I remember all of them, and I like all of them. I can I can tell you better week. Even though there are some that are weaker than others, yeah, I would. I'd, the one that I had ranked the lowest was "Straight Up and Down," but even still, it was like it's still a fun song. Yeah, it's still good, <laughs> but it's just you can just tell that he just he has so much confidence on this record, and. You can tell that he knows exactly what he wants to do and he knows how to make it exactly him. Yep. It's the it's the record where you listen to it and you're just like he's not trying to copy what other people are doing at that time, which even on an Orthodox jukebox, you can still feel that it's very a record of that time. That even though he's writing great songs, he's still kind of doing what everyone else is doing. 24 mm-hmm. Karat Magic, it's it's he led the charge. Yeah. I feel like a lot of popular music followed that record rather than him following what everyone else was doing with the previous yeah. two records. That was a trend-setting record. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Well, <laughs> I wish that more people would have followed the trend. They went back into the gutter. Yeah, it, was, like it didn't... Later. And I... We can transition that into how Grant is just like, I thought that he disappeared. Yeah. He does disappear between records. Oh, he, like he, he goes invisible. Like he's a magician. Yeah. He goes low key. Like when he's not touring, he like locks himself away and writes. That's the way to do it. Does he have like, does he have the Prince back catalog of just unreleased stuff? Maybe if he does, we don't, don't know, know about it. Nobody knows. But I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, 
but like one thing I kept constantly seeing people talking about about him is just like no one in the modern era is so good at disappearing and then just coming back and dropping a number one as if he never left. Yeah, honestly. Like he just did it That's again. That's exactly what he did. Yeah, because uh, Leave the Door Open went to number one this year. And it's kind of cool. He has and a, the collab he, with Anderson Pack is just ridiculous. It's a really good song. Like, I'm not into this genre or anything, obviously, but that's kind of cool. And and what's also really cool and what I really learned to respect about him is just, again, he writes all of his own stuff. Yes. He, he is actually an incredible musician. Yes. Like, he plays a lot of the keyboards on his albums. Like, he's the guy that's coming up with the chord progressions and... He's dictating to his bandmates, I need you to play it this way, play it that way. Like, he's a very, very intense perfectionist. He says that, like, he never stops thinking about how he can improve a song until, like, the record's done. He's constantly thinking, what if I did this chord instead of that chord? What if the drums did this instead of that? What if we changed the way the rhythm section is playing? Um, what if I did this harmony instead of that one? Like, he's got that, he has that musical brain that doesn't come around very often. He's not a guy that a producer hands him a song and says, here, sing this. Mm-hmm. Like, he he knows how to put together a song and put together a record. Well, if nothing else, you are increasing my respect for him. Yeah. Just again, he's not he's not your typical modern vapid pop star. Good. He he is the real deal. He's just he's 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 learned how to thrive in the modern pop world. And yeah. I feel like he's thriving because like you can't you can't imitate him. No. He has a sound, especially on 24K Magic, like all of those songs. It's the, it's such a good record because all of those songs have like a soundscape that like ties them all together, you know, mm-hmm. like an attitude that ties them all together, even though they're all distinct. But like no one can do it. Yeah, which that. you can't completely say that on the previous two records. Right. There are some songs, individual songs, you're just like, oh, that's completely him. Yeah. But there's other songs where you can tell it's just like he's writing a song that a lot of other people are making at this time. Yeah. This was yeah, unparalleled. So uh, he's he's the real deal. And the more I learned about him, the more respect that I grew from him of just like he he's from the same discipleship as the the greats that came before him he studied them he understands them like he's he's a guy that grew up on all that stuff isn't he like pretty chill oh yeah he's a super nice guy all the interviews that i watched of him he's very humble very he's he's so charismatic like it's insane so now we now we got the dave grohl energy going on yes I mean, just he is, he doesn't have that, that crazy pop star personality. 
he's he very much acts like a normal guy and he's funny yeah he is like like his music videos and stuff like you can you can almost cuz especially on the 24k magic and even the the silk sonic stuff like they are like purposefully going retro you know mm-hmm. and it takes someone that almost has like this weird like taste and sense of humor to be like I'm going to go on stage at the Grammys wearing literally like 60s like gear full on and force my band to do it and own it and just love it, you know? Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, oh, no, we have to make sure it looks amazing. Like, he's like, no, this, like, like really nice pajamas, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. All silk all the time. All silk, all and all, good. and always with an incredible hat. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, like what's what he's so good at is taking what came before. He's reviving so much of the seventies and eighties uh, funk and R and B and pop, and he's filtering it through today's music. Mm-hmm. And making something that's just that no one else is doing. Because, like, especially even though, like, you'll hear a lot of synth sounds, most of everything he's doing is live instruments. Yeah. Like, he's got a, he has a band. He's not just, again, he's, when you see him live, he's not up there with just some dancers playing along to a track. Like, he's got a legit, band which actually i found out was really cool that his brother is the drummer of yep that drum set is sick yeah the gold plate hardware Mm -hmm. and uh like yeah like he's his bass player is insane and um like yeah he's just it's it's all authentic and you can also tell that he just he loves what he does. Mm-hmm. There's such a joy that comes through his music, his music videos, his performances, his interviews. Like he's just you can tell that he's not in it for the money. And he and he constantly talks about it. he's just like, it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to write hits. That's just I write music that I love. And if it passes my acceptance of what i think is worthy for me to write then i put it out and then and then we'll see if everyone accepts it his second super bowl performance is my favorite super bowl performance of all time wow not even when it rains during purple rain no wow well it was Coldplay, and then beyonce we can talk talk about that I feel like or, or Metallica's <laughs> future Super Bowl performance. That'll never happen. <laughs> I am remaining hopeful. It won't ever happen. <laughs> A rock group will never play the Super Bowl ever again. Oh, it's so sad. I know it is sad. You, you didn't have to say it out loud. I was already sad. It's... It was cold, cold play. The thing was, like nobody knew that Beyonce and Bruno Mars were going to be there. No. And so I was watching because I lo- I like Coldplay. 
And so I was like, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is fine. This is, you know, we're going. And then it showed like, <laughs> I just, my mind was blown. I was just like, oh my God, it's freaking Beyonce. <laughs> oh my God, it's Bruno. Yeah. Yeah. So there's Bruno. And I think, I think at this point, uh, this is going to be as good of a segue as we can have to get into our songs. Indeed. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the six Bruno Mars songs we've picked for this episode. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We've been talking about Bruno Mars, a artist who I'm very personally unfamiliar with. And now it's time to get into our six-song segment where we introduce the artist of the week, in this case, Bruno Mars, using these six songs. If you want to find them, they're in the description. There's a Spotify playlist, which has all of the songs for this episode and every episode. So without any further explanation let's get into our first song which is none other than 24 karat magic yes what a great way to start a set players <laughs> oh boy put your pinky fingers to the moon i didn't know that's what he said i thought it was put your pinky rings up oh yeah that is it i just i i learned <laughs> that but i always thought it was fingers and so i just reverted back to old brain that's okay old brain is fine everyone thought that at the first yeah so yeah well i mean just what a what a way what to a just... way to open up an album yeah so this is the opener i guess is the title <laughs> song so yeah i mean i don't know in... where else it would have worked the whole song was written to be an invitation to a big party um, yeah dude it's freaking <laughs> wait so like i thought the song was just like hey look at how rich i am no i mean i mean, I mean he's yeah. using that as a way to say that if you hang out with me you're gonna have a really good time okay That's and fair. and that you if you're with me you'll live this lifestyle too okay it's a it's a it's a bragging song but it never comes off as like as greedy or slimy yeah because he like, starts off with pop pop it's showtime guess who's back again and then he's like yeah. like, know, like whenever is, we walk in everybody knows that the party's about to get started because we're rich yeah and it's like with him like he's earned what he got and he's enjoying it yeah, I'm a dangerous man with some money in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just because it's like when other stars say that, that really don't have the talent or the work ethic that he does, it can come off as just bragging, as as very shallow. That's why when you hear other stars talking about how, how rich they are and how cool they are, you don't believe it. Because they didn't do anything to earn it. Bruno earned it. Especially after Uptown Funk, mm-hmm. which is this was the song that he wrote on the heels. Like he said that Uptown was number one when he started writing this song. 
and so and I mean you can hear a lot of similarities between the two like it's it's very much a, almost like a part two yeah that's true just the with the with the a lot of the speaking vocals and the gang vocals but I also think this he brings a swagger to the song that isn't braggadocious no it's it, it's, it's the next level of that but the whole thing is just like like He's, He's speaking just truth. Like he's like, hey, I gotta show you how I get it. Like, take your sip, do your dip, spend your money like money ain't, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just like, here's how you get girls. And it's just and it's just so clever and so funny and so tongue in cheek, you know. Uh-huh. That that it like it it's not braggadocious, but it is. It's just he's not taking himself too seriously. No. Yeah. It's just again, there's there's he rides such a fine line. And I think it works really, really well because it's like the whole time you're listening to it, you like you're smiling, and you're just like, "Yeah, I want to be, I want to be there." He sounds like he's having a lot of fun. I want to have a lot of fun. And he said that you know a big, not just with this song, but the whole record was that he wanted to make something that you cannot help but dance to. Yeah, that it's a dance record first. Because all the music that he said that he loved growing up, he was just like, it's all music that you're meant to dance to. Yeah. And so it's like, if you can't dance to it, what's the point? He said, if you can't dance to it or make love to it. (laughs) Those are the two, those are the two things that he wants every one of his songs to accomplish. Either one of those two things, maybe both. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. See that? That's an important little tidbit there. Now I can kind of see the music in a different light. That's the purpose. <laughs> well, I so mean, like, funny. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm liking this a lot more. Well, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when we talked about Muse last week, you know, you don't dance to those songs. Yeah. You know? Like, they're meant to just listen to them and experience them. Unless it's Supermassive Black Hole. You can dance to that. That's true. There are some Muse songs that you can kind of, like, you know, move parts of your body to, depending on the song. Well, like, your fist or your head or, you know. Your fist or your head. Like, think about... Yeah, I know what you're saying. It was just, it was funny the way you said it. (laughs) I can't... I wanted to be precise. Okay, yeah. but uh, no. Okay, that makes it's making more sense. See, this is important information. Yeah. Important context. Yeah, yes. the sounds on this are great. <laughs> I love how it starts off with the the vocoder thing, the talk like box. The talk box. Yeah, it's just. I mean, what a way to just start it just it happens and you just you feel like something huge is about to happen yeah it's like you started your new record with a talk box like it's not even him it's like someone else is introducing him uh-huh his hype man is here yeah. but it's but it's a it's a retro future man <laughs> and then I mean, the you think keyboard design on this album is in, impeccable as well yeah because, yeah, when you think of Talkbox, you think back to, like, the 70s. Yeah. But, but then at the same time, it's it's so futuristic sounding. Retro Future Man. Retro Future Man. I don't know what else there's to say about this. It's just so... I mean, if it's the other thing is, like, if you haven't heard 24K Magic, 
You live under a rock. Yeah. I remember, the, I remember the first time I intentionally put this song on, and he does the the twenty four karat magic in the air, and I was just like, oh, I've heard that hook. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. That's that's what this song is. Yeah, it's just perfect introduction to. And I think it's a nice whenever we hear some of the other songs from the older eras. It's like we kind of know what we're building to. Yeah. This is kind of the pinnacle work. This is the most popular of the new stuff that he has done. Yeah. Other I mean, than, other than the one that's not on here, the newest one. But well, also, I mean, really, the biggest song off that record was That's What I Like. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because it's that's this song almost has a billion plays and that's what I like has like 1.2 billion. Yeah. And and like 24 Care Magic has like 900,000 something. Yeah. That's what I like is, I mean, I could talk about this album for a long freaking time. <laughs> so <laughs> we could. Yeah, it, it's loaded. And by the way, if you were wondering what does 24 Karat Magic mean? Is that the gold? Yeah. Which I work in the jewelry business now, so I know what that means. Oh, fancy. In that instance, it's not talking about carrot as in like carrot diamond like weight. Uh, When you're talking about gold, uh, the carrots is the purity. And 24 Karat is the most pure it can be pure gold so 24 karat magic means magic in the purest sense oh that's cool plus also you know he's yeah wearing the whole yeah (laughs) so it's a double meaning but he's he's it's a clever way of saying pure magic in the air yeah just really cool way to say it's clever that's actually clever i didn't i didn't pick up on that yeah i thought it meant 24 karat magic was like rich I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the other, that's the superficial, yeah. and yeah, you dig deeper, and it's, what does that actually mean, and that's what it means. All right. So, yeah, so we move from there to the next song, which is, I mean, it's it's a, it's the logical step to go towards, because it's, the, the, the songs are so familiar, and that's Uptown Funk. Indeed. I remember this music video so vividly. Yeah. I watched it again a couple days ago and I was just like, this is such a fun video. It it was the better version of um from a music video point of view. Oh crap. Who is that rapper that did Thrift Shop? Oh, Macklemore. Yeah. Cause they kind of did a similar video shoot to this, like everything's on the street and you know. Mm-hmm. all the people and the party it's like this was just an upgraded version well it also helped that the song was better and the song was uh, yeah the song is better not, not that thrift store is a bad song but uptown funk is a better song yeah, i think uptown funk is more accessible and yeah. and more enduring uh-huh this song it, to me like was really getting me excited thinking that there was going to be a new renaissance of instrument-led pop songs. Yes. It's because this really came off of the heels of Random Access Memories. That's why it sounds so... And, and, uh, yeah, and and Get Lucky in particular. Yeah, this... 
funk music seemed to be making a comeback. Just in disco and just kind of yeah. pretty much 70. It took a different form because The weekend kind of took that disco and they just, mo- everything got thrown in the modernizer. Yeah. It was like the early 2010s was all about recapturing the 70s. And then once you get into like the mid to late 2000 or 2010s, it became very 80s, which is 24 karat magic probably borrows the most from 80s. And then right now we're in the midst of a 90s revival. But yeah, it was because like Uptown Funk kind of ended up being like the last big 70s throwback song. And then everything shifted to, well, now let's do everything 80s. Mm-hmm. But it it was just like, to me, this was the song that I kind of looked to. It was just like, this was like the biggest song in the world for, this was the biggest song of 2015. For yeah. sure. And, and probably also 2016 because it came out yeah. like end of the year. Yeah. And it just it crossed over, and, and I just it didn't I lose thinking, any steam. <laughs> yeah, I kept thinking this is the song that's going to do it. This is the song that's going to bring back uh, bands and instrument. Le- and I mean, it didn't happen, but it's. I think the rap tidal wave is just so strong. Yeah, it, because it's also so easy to make. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pay as many people. Mm. You don't people have to just love it. People just love rap. And people love it, yeah. But I think that this was a shining moment for people like us that are very interested in musicianship. Yeah. That something that was performed by people became such a huge hit. And I think, I think it, it was does a signal show that when the mass public is offered a song like that that they will grab it. I think I think that the industry took a little bit of a cue from Bruno on this. Because I think people understood. Because a lot of... Even if people didn't follow the lead of this song, I think this song stopped everyone from just selling out to rap. Yeah. And even bigger than that, I think this was Bruno's cue. I think it, he was like, this is it. Mm-hmm. Like... This is this, this. the stuff I'm going to start doing now. I'm feeling this. They're feeling this. I think I have a shot at this crazy idea. You know, his voice even sounds so different on this when you compare yeah. it to the first two records. Yeah, he very much takes that that softer, higher pitched part of his voice in the first two records, and he still does that some later. Well, but like the slower like, stuff, but yeah, but like here, it's the just. Edge. It, it's yeah. That's why at first I didn't recognize him. It's because he he kind of just started like it's hard to say. It's like he sings his lead vocal like a gang vocalist. Yeah. So it's like he it's because on the verse, especially the verses of Uptown Funk, and and he does this in everything. Like all of the verses are like it feels like he's talking. Uh huh. Like there are pitches. It's not. It isn't talking. Yeah, he's not rapping, but really fast verses, like mo- like in terms of words crammed in there. You know, mm-hmm. and, so and little little is just like when he yells, "Julio, grab the stretch!" Yeah, he just that James Brown probably. 
yes, that's it's very James Brown. Um, they spent an entire year making this song. What? Yes. So Mark Ronson had the initial idea, and he's the guy that plays guitar on it and is the producer, and the guy that I thought was Andrew Garfield for a while. <laughs> Daffodils was on the the B side of this, right? Was what? Didn't he on this Uptown special? Wasn't there a song that he did called Daffodils? I don't know. I actually didn't listen to that. I didn't listen to the record. Everything is pretty much bad crap except for Daffodils. (laughs) It's the Mm -hmm. other good one. It's because it's because even though Mark Ronson started with the song, the majority of the song was written by Bruno. Yeah. Like Bruno slaved over this song. They recorded in like five different studios all across the world. And um just Bruno was not satisfied until he could get it exactly the way he felt it had to be. He said he finally reached a point a year later where he was just like, I don't think there's anything I can do this to this song to make it better. So it's done. I think that him make that year long of making Uptown Funk was him understanding the formula for how to make 24 Karat Magic. Yeah, it was his metamorphosis time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and also, um, Mark Ronson had to do 84 takes to get the guitar right. Wow. And that he got so stressed out about it that he threw up and passed out in a restaurant after tons of takes. Oh my goodness. Dude, he got to chill out. I would never get stressed out about something that I'd been working on for a year. Well, they I think they at that point had spent a lot of money on it. Oh. Uh, Cuz if you're if the longer you take to record something, the more that bill yeah. and that means the bigger that bill comes, the more pressure it is that this song has to succeed. Was it not Mark Studio? Um, no, they because again, like I said, they went to like five different, yeah, yeah. because what they were doing is they were having to follow Bruno wherever he was on tour at that time. Oh, yeah, they they were in LA, they were in Memphis, they were in Vancouver, they were in London, like they had to they had to go wherever Bruno had time, and so. I mean, yeah, it was it was a very, very stressful time making that record, but it's like it was kind of like you can feel the blood, sweat, and tears in that track. Yeah. Um, I also just want to make a quick note that the bass literally slaps on this song. Yes, it's ridiculous. Oh my gosh, yeah. And the horn section. And the that that outro, the Bum, 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 bum. Like that happens no other time. Mm-hmm. Gosh, and th- the bass, the freaking bass when it goes into that <laughs> boom, boom, yeah. uh, it's so good. There's just little things. That's what I think on all, all of Bruno's stuff. Like, it's just there's little things in there where it's like, oh, you didn't just click and you didn't just copy and paste the second chorus to do your last chorus and add stuff. Yeah. Like each part has like little slight new things, little slight new parts, little slight nuances, like Uh the drums doing the, like that off 
kind of the upbeat on the bell, you know, at the end. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just it's it's a finely crafted piece of work. Uptown Funk and Twenty Four Karat Magic have similar lyrical concepts. Yeah. It's just, you know, that's that's why it's very you can very Twenty Four Karat Magic is the spiritual successor. It is. It's the uh, it's Uptown Funk is the is the is the teaser, and Twenty Four Karat Magic even as a whole record is kind of building upon yeah. that song's success. So he tapped into something special there. Yeah. As as many great songs as he has written and probably will continue written, I feel like that that's kind of the one that you can go back to and say that that was kind of his defining moment. Especially if, especially knowing the process. Like, it took a year to write it. Uh-huh. And a year to get it right. And a year to... Transferring even from Treasure to Uptown Funk is, is a pretty big step. Yeah. Speaking of... Speaking of... of yeah. What a great transition. We're going to Treasure. I love this intro. Yeah, it's just it's so random. And I wonder if that's an inside joke. It probably is. And just, you know, just that style of humor that he has. Of uh, just not not taking himself too seriously. But Treasure is is off of the second record on Orthodox Jukebox and yeah, you can base. You can you can just you can hear that he's he's trying to go this direction now. Yeah, it's very much. We keep talking about prologues. How Uptown Funk's a prologue. Yeah. Treasure is the prologue to Uptown Funk. <laughs> yeah, and Runaway Baby is the prologue to Treasure. Yeah, you're right. They're they're all stepping stones into getting Bruno to where he would become Bruno. But this song is just so fun. And another just gr- it's a gr- has a great rhythm track. And I would say even more than um than in Uptown Funk. Like the bass is not completely recognizable in Uptown Funk. You kind of got to listen for it. In Treasure like the bass is almost like the biggest thing you hear besides the vocals. Yeah, the bass has the 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 line. Yeah. It's like it's it's being it's a lead instrument in this song, which I think is really cool. But baseline uh, is kind of the anyone that like likes to play pop bass, this is like the smoke on the water equivalent. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. oh oh, I can play treasure on, on bass. And it was like and all the non musicians are like, Whoa, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> you're so good at bass (laughs) yeah (laughs) this bass line's great though I don't want to take away from the greatness but it's the modern like most popular bass line most recognizable bass line I'd say 2010s yeah it's the the wonder wall a a pop song with a recognizable bass line and a real bass and not a synth bass yeah because that Charlie Puth song had a really recognizable baseline, but the bass isn't real. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't get too many of those these days. It's it's kind of 
a bit surprising that this song didn't go number one. How close was it? Went to like number three. Which I mean, it's still really good. Yeah, but wasn't there something else on Unorthodox Jukebox that went to number one? Two songs did. Uh, Locked Out of Heaven and When wow. I Was Jan. Locked Out of Heaven. I think Locked Out of Heaven is better than Treasure. Mm, I disagree. Uh, it's just... It hits me. I, I feel like the chorus is not as is the weakest part of the song. And the when they played it at the Grammys, it was pretty cool to hear Sting yeah. on it. Yeah, I bet I bet that live that this song is is much better. But just treasure, treasure has the magic. Yeah, it does. And it's just again, it's 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 got that realness to it. Yeah, it's you can tell that it's just it's a band in a studio just having fun with the track. Grant, you've been you've been awfully quiet. I don't know, y'all are just going on. I'm okay. That's how I norm. I Grant probably feels how I normally feel, like on like a Dire Straits episode or like on a Meshuggah episode, where I'm just like I'm just fly on the wall, guys. Like no, I'm I'm okay with it. Y'all are talking very passionately about music that you like. Yeah, but give us give us the outsider opinion of someone that is not normally in this style, kind of like what you're picking up. I, I like the real instruments. I really like, and we talked about this while we were listening earlier, that, um, you know, 24 Karat Magic and Uptown Funk to an extent had kind of the boo, 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 you know, and somebody who listens to music like I do doesn't necessarily enjoy that. Like, I can say objectively, like, yeah, that serves the purpose of the song and that was the correct decision to make but still not like it but something like treasure you know real instruments there's still the building dynamical moments but there's not like the side chained bass effect even though they didn't really do that in the previous two songs it doesn't have the like the dubstep feel you know it feels like a proper like organic song which is amazing like that kind of pop is great you know i think that kind of pop can appeal to everybody on some level yeah even the the hardcore metal nerds or um, classical music nerds or i only listen to you know 16th century or 17th century hymns like good pop music on some level will appeal to anybody if it's if it's that organic not to use raw but but real instruments and just not basic there's just not the words to you but you know what i'm saying i've got my point across so i'll just stop talking (laughs) um So. so there's really two halves to this set and you guys, I'm I'm sure sensed that when you were listening to it. Yes. yes. This this song, especially the way that it ends, it does feel like it's it lends itself to going. Okay, it's it's a good place to switch gears. Yes. And so now we're gonna switch from these these party have fun songs to the other side of Bruno Mars. 
how I told you that his songs are usually about two things. He wants two things to happen. On to the second thing, baby. This is the uh, <laughs> we're not kissing dancing. and hand-holding songs. <laughs> we're not dancing. No. I mean, you probably could to this next one. Oh, yeah. Favorite. It's a bit more of a mid-tempo rather than a full-on ballad. Yeah. And, this, uh, this was the first one of the set, Versace on the Floor. Or Versace, or however it's Versace. However it's supposed to be pronounced. I know there's a very particular inflection that you're supposed to do, and I can't do it. But this one is... Uh, you're safe. <laughs> this... <laughs> Versace. 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 Uh, Versace. Yeah. This... This was the first one of the set that I didn't recognize the name, and throughout the song, I didn't recognize it um, at all. So this was a new experience to me. And Ethan even told me, I was like, ooh, this must be the deep cut. And Ethan was like, no, this is actually a very popular song. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I guess to show you what I know. It wasn't but it is as popular as the two really big songs. But you could really... Slower. It was a single... But you could call this a minor hit. But I think it's... Bruno, I assume that's still big. Yeah. 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 Man, look at that. 56 million monthly listeners. I don't know why I just now decided to check that. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) look at it. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, this, this song is all about just cutting to the chase. The Versace on the floor is her Versace dress. Take off that dress. You won't need it anymore. So great. Such a great line, though. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bruno has a very, very, even though he can be kind of kind of dirty and very upfront with the way that he talks to a woman, mm-hmm. he also, he never demeans them. Like he he always is very sweet, while also being very sensuous. Well, it sounds like on the on the songs to dance too, where he's like, you know, it's like you're trying he's trying to get paint himself as like you know playboy, you know, kind of thing. The lingo that he uses is a lot different than like you know in Versace on the floor. Uh huh. Like, in those, it's like, quick, running gun. I'm trying to grab girls, like, you know, everybody's looking at me, you know. And then whenever we're here, it's a lot more, you know. Like, it's not it's not just empty, I want to I wanna make love to you. Yeah. It's very, you know, he's talking about how beautiful she looks and how beautiful her eyes are. She's perfect from her head to her heels. It's, and then you get a random synth solo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sin Solo was awesome. <laughs> it's it's it would perfectly go like in the eighties where a guitar solo would go. And there's a lot of weird modulations, and it's yeah. awesome. This this also is really shows his compositional skill. You can't. It's like with the first three songs because they're they're more almost like riff based even though a riff doesn't seem like it would be the right word they're yeah. it's more rhythm driven mm-hmm. it's not chord progression driven 
you know, it's 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 more lines of you know, boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Yeah. With with this kind of song, it's the chord structure the and the chord progression has yeah. to be the what drives the song. And in this kind of song, you really see that he's not a uh, amateur level songwriter. He's not he's not making songs by assembly, where it's just like here, let's just use the the popular pop chords, and just make an easy song. Yeah. He's very much trying to think outside of the box and go, okay, what's something different that I can do? Yeah. And there's so many weird turns in the song. Yeah. That keep it fresh. So, Grant, you were saying that this was the first one that really sparked your interest. Well, I will say... I actually think Treasure was the first one that sparked my interest from, you know, just like a, a sonic standpoint. Uh-huh. But this one did because it was new to me. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you didn't have that feeling of, oh, I've heard this. Right. And so I'm like, hmm, I'm just going to, I'm kind of, I was, I was truly experiencing, I guess, what would be a big song for the first time right before your very ears. Um, I don't, did I say particularly that, that this one was, cause I don't remember saying that. I remember saying that particularly about the next one that I really mm. like the next one. You I thought, said I thought, the song specifically, you said the songs keep getting linearly better. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that is true. That is true because I liked how, um, it went away from the party feel. Yeah. Which is like, that's good for music to be able to do that. But sometimes you just want to be able to listen to a good song on your own, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm that kind of a musical listener. And so when you brought up the fact that, oh, Bruno Mars is trying to write songs for like party music, it's like, okay, I get that now. We're not trying to um, uh, necessarily market to the individual. Yeah. I put in my headphones and like do housework, you know, listener. So it was, it was cool to see closer to the side of music that I listened to. The eighties power ballad. Yes. Well, let's, let's talk about the song that you said you really, really liked. Yes. Talk Talking to the moon. Yes. Don't get oh, us copyrighted. No, no. no. Yeah, we can't, we can't <laughs> get copyright strike. So, obviously, Talking to the Moon is the TikTok song. Of so, I didn't know this. One of them. One of I've them. literally never had TikTok in my life. That I don't you have should it get either. it. It's really funny. I don't have I've, it either. I've heard that it, oh, it all ruin your whole life. It's yes. so, the algorithm is so addicting, but it is so... All things funny come from there right now. I I just I just wait till they come on YouTube comp- compilations. Yeah, I I let the other social media sites filter out all the bad ones, so I can get the really funny stuff because I don't want to scroll through, you know, really bad TikToks all day. But this was a TikTok thing, and that's how I discovered it. I'm like, ooh, that's a really great chorus line. And Did you know it was Bruno Mars. 
I didn't know it was Bruno Mars, but I'm like, man, this is a pretty good song. Like, I hope I, you know, my find only myself qualm. listening to the whole thing one day, and here we are. My only qualm with talking to the moon is that it reminds me of um, the every day it'll rain, rain. It's like so similar to yeah. <laughs> like like how they both end the chorus. I can't remember the name of it. Every is day it, it'll rain. I think it is what it's called. If it's another Bruno Mars song, I don't know it. No, I'm okay. not familiar with what song he's talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, I think it's called "It Will Rain." Okay. Well, but, I mean, at, to a certain maybe. point, like there's only so many musical ideas out there, right? Like, unless a song is like an exact copy, I think the the because you mean you're gonna pull. Consciously and unconsciously from other artists. Yeah. It's unavoidable, especially at this point. Yeah. But this, this is this is a uh this is this is I guess you could call this the deep cut of the set. Because yeah. this this is this is very much a dark horse in in his discography. I would say this is probably his best song that's not really big i love the sound of this one because it's basically just and i talked about this while we were um listening to it together that's like me and my big metal you know ego i would love to be able to write a song like this i would love to have written a song like this because it's it's just it's just good it's just it's so simple and so pure. Yeah. Like you listen yeah. to it and you're just like there's they're not doing anything super fancy. Like it's it's pretty much a piano ballad. Right. And the the melodies are very simple, yet they you can tell that it's it's you know, there's some interesting ideas going on. And if you really strip it down, you can perform this song as a one man band. Yeah. You could just yeah. be you and a piano. And that there's a lot of appeal there to me, just imagining me in front of, you know, a hundred thousand people just like playing a song like this. That's like, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's the stuff of dreams, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. This, this was the point in the set where I'm like, oh yeah, we've definitely progressed linearly because 24 karat magic it's objectively good, but I don't like it. You know, Uptown Funk, it's objectively good, and I kind of like it. You know, Treasure, objectively good. And I really kind of like it. And then, of course, we talked about Versace on the floor just a few minutes ago. And then here we are. At this point, I'm like, wow. Because I talked about before um, we listened to this in set one that I already tell, or I can already tell that I probably want to start my search at his first album. And then the only representation from, you know, his first album that we have so far in the set is my favorite one so far of the set, you know? <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I don't know what that means necessarily, but other than I just really like this song and I really like the feel of it and then just everything comes together perfectly to make this like the Bruno Mars formula of the retro but modernized 
it's done very well. There's not a lot of things that you could complain about with in this song. Yeah. Other than maybe you don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan, how do you feel about it? I like, I mean, it's just a classic. That's. And under, just... I'm, I remember hearing this song. Um, my wife had put it on. And just when we were driving, I was just like, I've never heard this one. And I, it was literally hearing this song that I thought, maybe I should do a Bruno Mars episode. Really? This is the one? Yeah, because I was just like, this is a really good song. And if he's got other songs that are hidden like this, then I think that it might be worth doing an episode on. So, you know, so that talking, talking to the moon is, is what brought me to this point. So maybe maybe I should listen to doo wops and hooligans. Uh, I mean, I won't you tell you, won't tell you shouldn't. Well, I guess we'll listen to this. Just twenty four K magic is just so just, good. Just wait until we get to the bad music section. Yeah. See how, <laughs> oh see yeah. How bad That's how. Grand. You'll you'll it's we'll we'll have we'll have some doo wops and hooligans there for sure. That's that. Yeah, well, maybe. What if I like it? You know, hey, what? That's maybe what well. sells it. That's what sells it. We're almost talking like we're at the end of the set, but we still got one more. We do. And this is um, this is another number one hit. Um, it was funny when you brought this up earlier, Ethan. About yep. <laughs> how when I was your man, like you, it was a breakup song, and you were going through a breakup. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, was thinking, I was just like, like oh. He doesn't know what's in the set. I was like, screw this song. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, this is the song. Mm. So normally with our sets, I like to end with a catharsis moment. And usually that turns into like a a big epic moment. Like, you know, a stairway to heaven or a heart of the sunrise or a stargazer or a bohemian rhapsody. Like, you know, just kind of like big bombastic, like mm-hmm. big finale. But with this set, I was just like, you know what? Let's have a different kind of catharsis moment. Just very stripped down, bare, just pure emotion. Mm-hmm. I think that was a good choice because this is a good song. Ethan made me listen to the lyrics. And he was correct in telling me to do that. So, Ethan, what about the lyrics personally connects with you? I think um, they're just good. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, because, like, I think we've all been around the block enough times. Uh, Maybe you guys didn't get to go through this like I did, but it's like there are so many pop breakup songs and they just suck. Yeah. yeah. And so to have a song where it's like it, it's a breakup song but it's clever still and it still like gets the emotion across but it's it's not like so my thing is all guy breakup songs are like I'm so sad because we broke up and I could do better, you know. And all girl breakup songs are like like female empowerment like i don't need a man you know 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. This does such a good twist on the guy version of it to be like, you know, uh, oh, here's the first verse is like, oh, here's all the stuff that we used to do and they're all different now because we're not together. And, you know, I should have done all this stuff. And, um, you know, when I was your man, you know, and then like to take the twist later to be like, you know, I hope he buys you flowers and I hope, you know, all that stuff to be, it's like, I still like you and I want the best for you, you know? Mm, yeah. It's, a nice uh, it's, twist. Not a, it's not a screw you. I don't ever want to see you again. Yeah. It's just a nice, it's just a nice, or twist just a, and it's, and too, it's done much in a, a, too much of a feel sorry for yourself. Yeah. And, and I think the twist on it is just like, it's, it's a nice, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it is. I think it's just more poetically done. Yeah. It's just done in better taste, honestly. And so. And it's just vocals and piano. Yeah. Which fun fact, it's only one of two songs in, in history to go to number one. That's just vocals and piano. What's What's Adele, someone like you. Oh, oh yeah. Dang. So, oh, there's your female empowerment breakup song no it's not female empowerment well never mind i'll find someone else you know no it's it's the whole thing is she's trying to be like that but oh right but she's secretly grieving over it that's like it's she's it's the brave face she puts on but because she she says that you know, the never mind, I'll find someone like you, I wish. But then she counters it with, don't forget me, I beg. I remember every word you said. Like, it's that whole, it's that dichotomy, that battle between wanting to be strong and move on, but also knowing that it has wrecked you. Yeah. You so... kind of, it's almost very similar to this. Although it's, instead of it being a struggle, it's more of an acceptance. Yeah. So, really, the only two vocal piano songs that went to number one broke the lyrical mold. Yeah. Whereas they did something very simple instrumentally and musically, they did something very creative in the in the lyric department. You almost you have to, I feel, if you're if you're going to have that little going on musically, the lyrics really got to punch right that's what i'm saying and even if you if you were to have both of them punch they'd kind of both lose their their kick you know it's like trying to when you're coming up with a band name and you come up with two really good band names and you mash them together and it sounds terrible (laughs) you know if if you come up with really great music and then really great lyrics it's like you mash them together that's not going to be terrible but both are going to kind of lose their their effect, especially if you have such really emotional lyrics as as this one. Mm-hmm. I think it was like, I think it was the correct choice to, and I'm sure it was conscious to um, have it just be vocals and piano for this song. Yeah, I agree. It's the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that is our set. Yeah, that is our set. So, <laughs> we're going to
We're going to take another break here. When we come back, we're going to give our final thoughts about Bruno Mars, and then we're going to wrap everything up. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ethan. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just got done with our six-song set from Bruno Mars, which was 24K Magic, Uptown Funk, Treasure, Versace on the Floor, Talking to the Moon, and When I Was Your Man. And now it's time for our final thoughts, which is after we get all this context about this artist, we get to talk about uh, how our thoughts are different from the first segment. So, Graham, how's, how have your thoughts changed on Bruno Mars? Uh, and what's your new ranking Who's Graham? Yeah, who's Graham? I th- I think I was saying, I was <laughs> I was saying, Grant and trying to also say something else. <laughs> okay, I, I got my tongue. What my else tongue would you tied. like? Ham. My like, tongue what? was tied. Oh boy, um, I think everybody already knows my favorite song is "Talking to the Moon." It can oh, be none other than "Talking great. to the Moon." It is a good song, you know. I'm not into I'm not into the kind of music of the first half. Not to say that it's bad. I respect it, and all of the correct decisions were made. And to write songs as good and as big as those songs were, you have to be a good musician, and especially to write and perform it and and be, for lack of a better term, the micromanager of everything that happens with the song that's very impressive and i highly respect that um and that even though i don't have enough of the catalog here to say man i really like bruno mars's music personally i still have to move from a five to a six because i respect him a lot more after this podcast like i understand i no longer have this ew bruno mars mentality you know and that's progress you know for somebody who listens to death you know that's progress (laughs) so yeah so i'd have to move to a six a respectful six i like some of the songs that were on here a lot um, so it's not to say that, ah, oh, yeah, I respect him, but I don't like any of the music. You know, some of these songs were really good, um, in my personal opinion as well. So it was a very different feel from Muse, which I hadn't shared yet with any of the listeners, but I've listened to Origin of Symmetry about 10 times through now. <laughs> so if you haven't checked out our, our Muse Volume 2 last week, definitely do that and definitely check out the album that we do that episode over. Um, it's kind of changing my way at looking at music, so um, I definitely encourage that. But as far as Bruno Mars, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to do that to me, but I do respect him, and I understand I understand the Bruno Mars... Um, the hype. The hype. That's a good way of putting it, the hype. So that's my final thought. That's a good final thought. I respect that. I feel like, because there's certain genres that just click with people. Yeah. I felt like that that was about as good as I was going to get for Grant. Yeah. yeah. And and that, you know, and I'm I have ha- a good open mind too with music. And so, but like, it's the same for me. And like, I'm never going to go back and like, listen to 
like like I'll listen to Mashuga and I'll be like, that's really good, like here. But I'm not gonna be like, oh man, I just have to go back. You know, it just doesn't resonate with me. So I understand the the similarity between, you know, because this is this is my domain. This this like pop R and B is like I'm all up in this. You know, mm-hmm. so I started as a nine. I don't think I could say that I'm a ten. Ten is like pillar. Yeah, ten is like dang. But would but, you say it went from a I, soft nine to a... I, I would say it was good to know the history. It was good to like solidify him as a nine because I was like, I whenever I was reading back through, and this is if you're new here, are one to ten. I could go each one, but like five is neutral, six is I kind of like it, seven are there some songs of theirs that I love. Eight is I know and love most of the songs. Nine is I know and love even the deep cuts. And ten is this music has changed me, like, as a person. I would say if Silk Sonic, I just think that he doesn't have, he hasn't had enough, I haven't had enough time with him. Three records is not enough time to put me at a ten with him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so... You kind of got to still see how he's going to develop. It's like, if... Because twenty four karat magic was incredible, and it looks like silk this whatever the silk sonic project is going to be is going to be incredible too. But like, it could get to the point where like maybe in five, ten years, I'm like, yeah, he's a ten. Like he where he just has really so much stuff that's so good that I you know, just copy and you know love. But it's it's a stronger nine now based on because I hadn't gone through the his older stuff in a while and I didn't really know his history that much um, I think my favorite song out of this set is Versace on the floor it's just great there's nothing bad about it <laughs> yeah um, but yeah I I think for Bruno to get to a 10 uh, just, he's, he's close really- he's really dang close to being a 10 but you would say it's a high nine maybe going yeah. from a nine to a high nine yeah probably because he just hasn't released anything in so long but everything that he touches just is great he's he's at that point in his career where it's like if he touches it it's good yeah well I guess you could say that I'm the most interesting one here because I'm I sit in the middle between you two guys yeah mm-hmm. um I would say that I have reached probably an eight. Oh, from a six? Yeah. Because I have found a lot of songs that I'm like, wow, this is a really great song. I'm at the point to where I'd be like, yeah, I'll go see him live. I am very interested to see when Silk Sonic drops. Like I, I, I feel like I want to follow him now, and and really like when he releases stuff, going, I need to go listen to this, mm-hmm. and I, I want to go see him at some point, and like, I'm, I'm intrigued to follow him, which is where I feel like when you're at an eight, you're just like you kind of like jumping into going, okay, I want to be a fan now. Mm-hmm. So, I, I feel like that that's where I'm at. Well, which I didn't expect to get that far. So I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, my favorite song, it has to be Uptown Funk. It's just yeah. that that was 
that was such a pivotal song for me just in liking modern pop music in general. And it's the one song, every time I go back to it, it's just like, it, it moves something in me. And it's a dance song. It's that dance song, man. Yeah. I can't get enough of it. It's, it's got some real great, real great moments. I will say that. That bass line does get you moving and grooving. Mm Mm-hmm. I just I admire the craftsmanship that went into that song. Oh my gosh, it took a year. That's crazy. Now, normally I like to talk about Harry's pick, but most of these songs I did not let Harry listen to. It's fair. Harry is my four-year-old son, but he does have a pick because "Talking to the Moon" is one of his all-time favorite songs. Yes, Harry. I feel like yes. he has new all-time favorites every week. <laughs> but no, this, seriously, for a while, because like whenever we would play in the car, he was always in the car, and he would always like. It got to a point to where for like several months, every time he got in the car, he'd say, "I want to listen to Talking to the Moon." Like it's not one of those ones where it's like, you know, he listens to it while I'm doing the research and then comes back to it every now and again. Like this has been for like seven or eight months like a constant i will listen to this song and this would be callie's pick too my wife she yes so walking to the moon gang yeah so that's that's the majority winner right there um and that's it for our episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you like what you are listening to, please make sure that you hit the subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday at midnight. And you're definitely going to want to tune in next week because we are going to have a special guest with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone from the band that we're going to be talking about so you're definitely not going to want to miss that it's going to be a very special episode and um if you want to support what we're doing uh there's a link in the description of the episode that takes you to our patreon page um i'm probably going to do a redesign of it soon and just adjust kind of everything because there's some stuff we don't do anymore that we had said for the difference. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to do some retooling of that to make it more up to date with what we're doing, but um, that's going to be the best way to support us. You'll get access to episodes early instead of Monday. You'll get to have them on Friday as well as you'll get access to the bad music podcast segment where we talk about an artist's six worst songs. So you'll want to make sure that you check that out. And, um, the other link in the description of the episode will take you to our Spotify playlist. Please go listen to these songs. Even if you know them, hearing them in the order that they're put in kind of gives you a bit of a different perspective on them. So um, go check those out and um, make sure to follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. It's the best way to connect with us, to let us know what artists you want us to cover in the future. And that's it. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. I'm Ethan. Keep on listening to good music. <laughs>